Sisters, four women who love Jesus and who have committed to spending time together studying the Bible and growing in friendship with each other. We love being together and we hope that you will enjoy your time with us. Welcome back to the Faithless Sisters Talking Through James. Today we are finishing up the last chapter, or we're starting on the finish of James. We are in the last chapter. We're doing chapter five. Did that make sense? Um, we're, we're starting chapter five today and, um, today we're going to read James five, one through six. And, um, yeah, we're going to have some discussion about rich oppressors. So, and we're going to stay away from the political ramifications of all of this, because there's a lot that's going on in our world right now about the rich and the poor and whatever. Some of what we're going to do, all of what we're going to talk about today is applicable to all of that, but we're going to stay away from all of the hot button topics. So anyway, okay. Mary, would you like to read that for us? Yep. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and the moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fatted yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. There's yeah. James in that flowery speech again. Yeah. <laughs> so, James, what do you really mean? Like, what are you really How do you feel about that, James? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is interesting because we were talking a little bit about the different approach that James has from when he's speaking to his brothers and sisters who are the believers versus the people who are not the believers, right? We know that he is just going to lay it out and he is going to be very straightforward no matter who he's talking to. But I, I think it's a little bit sharper when it's people that are not believers, where he's like, now listen, you, now listen, you rich people. Um, now listen, you who say, you know, um, instead of brothers and sisters. So you can tell when there's um, this, this little bit of difference here. Yeah, I still think he has the urgency with both groups, mm-hmm. but I didn't see him saying like the brothers and sisters, their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. It's yeah. a little bit gentler, like you pit of vipers. No, that was him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very different. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I think Rosemary's talked about this before, about how there's this urgency, right? Because James always has this urgency about him, um, feeling like it's probably because he did not see that Jesus was who he said he was. So I think, you know, we talked a little bit about your perception tints your reality and your lived experiences change how your perception is. So surely some of his reality has the fact that he didn't believe it, um, 
I think that's why he's a little bit harsher with the people that are not believers because he's like, I didn't, I didn't have that either. And I just need somebody to be, have this righteous indignation about this. So get to it people, you know? Yeah. And I also think that underneath that, there's just this, um, I don't know this, there's definitely this urgency, but it's like, God, you know, or just you guys, you have to see this. You don't understand, you know, or this Jesus, my brother is God. (laughs) (laughs) And he can be your God too. I mean, I, I do see that urgency though. Um, He's tough though. James is pretty tough. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No punches. Mm-hmm. No punches withheld. So, well, he's talking here about um, the wealthy people. And we've talked over and over again about how it's not wrong to be wealthy. It's not wrong to have a lot of money. It's not a lot wrong to have a lot of things, nice things, fancy things, whatever. None of that is wrong. It's just the heart that goes with it. Um, and he just flat out says like, your possessions are going to corrode and they're going to rot. And this is not good. Mm-hmm. So well, he's, he's addressing excess here, right? Like a mm-hmm. hoarding mentality. I've got to keep this all for me. I'm not even going to pay my workers a fair wage because I got to keep all this here for me. Um, so I think that's the heart of, of these people that he's addressing is, is it's all about them right? That's the hard issue. I'll do whatever it takes to keep everything for me. Yeah, there's kind of like two, he's talking about the wealth of that time. And then he's talking about then they won't pay their workers. So there's really like two big issues going on, but they both are connected to wealth and hoarding and, and what you were just talking about. There's um, some quotes from the Expositors Bible study, and just a Bible commentary where it it's trying to give a picture of what it was like back then. And so it says wealth in those days consisted of both money and such commodities as grain, oil, and costly garments. Thus it was the commodities that had, had rotted and the stored guard and the stored garments that had been invaded by moss. The tragic fact was that the rich had hoarded so much food and clothing that it was going to waste. Mm-hmm. The, their crime was uncontrolled greed that resulted in the oppression of the poor. So part of me is going, well, I don't know that they were intentionally oppressing the poor. They just weren't sharing. They just weren't pouring out what they had to other people. They had this, I'm holding my hands, everything is mine, as opposed to an open-handedness. And when we live like that, um, hoarding and holding everything to ourselves, the result is that poor do get oppressed at some level. If we live open-handed and we realize, wait a minute, this is God's economy, God gets to make those decisions. God has a plan for this, and we open-handedly give it to Him, then things move and we don't become a part of that system. Like the poor will always be here is what Jesus said. But when we live open-handedly and we give to God what's God's, which is everything, really, and let him make those decisions on how it gets spent or how it gets moved, and we trust him, we get that freedom. And other people can have food, other people can have life, and other people can also get that freedom as they have that space to really consider Jesus and see who he is. 
I, I think I it's think- more here than just um, not sharing open-handedly. I, I mean, I, I don't okay. want to. Yeah. Um, but, but it says um, you didn't pay your workers. That so that's wasn't the second an accident. part. Yeah, right. that wasn't yeah. an accident. And they're crying out against you. And they gave um, some commentary that I read, gave or something in here in our homework, maybe. Um, if he doesn't pay them, these workers are like um, daily workers. I, I was reading a book by Max Licato years ago, and he talks about how they, he lived in Texas, how people who didn't have full-time jobs or whatever would go to a certain place. I'm just going to say a mm-hmm. parking lot somewhere. And the mm-hmm. trucks would come. And they would hire so many people, let's say 10 people, and you just hoped and prayed that you would be one of those 10, because then that day, you would have money for food. Mm-hmm. And say, say 15 guys came, and only 10 got to go. Five would go home empty, but they'd come the next day you know, to see. Well, this guy picking up a truckload of workers, you know, 10 guys in the back of his truck, but when he takes him home at the end of the day or back to that parking lot, he's not paying. And that's mm-hmm. intentional. And I think that, um, you know, the, the guy is in love with his money and his things and so mm-hmm. much so that he's cheating other people for his own selfish gain. I, I agree, Terry. Like, to me, there were like the two things going on. There, there was like the hoarding of goods. Yeah. And then there was the fact that he, what, they were not paying the people who are working for him. I agree. And the, it, both can be intentional too. I was just thinking, even if we think we're not intentionally trying to hurt somebody, if we still don't live open-handedly, there's a level uh, yep, you're right. that people are injured. But no, I fully yep. agree with you. When you don't pay people for their work, and, and you're right, exactly the situation you described in those days, people were paid on a daily basis right? because they needed to eat daily because mm-hmm. they needed that. Yeah. Boy, that's wrong. So wrong. It, I, it gets me a little riled up. Mm-hmm. I like okay. that. Do you want me to tell you? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Susan. Oh, I was just going to say, do you want me to tell you like a funny story that kind of yes. goes along with that? Yes, it's funny, to, it's funny to me, like looking on the outside, right? But this is, um, this is national news. This is not political, but this is national news. Um, so there was a guy who was working for someone and did not enjoy his job. Apparently it was not a good environment to work in. So he quit and he gave his two weeks notice and then things got worse. And so he left early and it made the employer mad. So he didn't pay the guy, right? Because he had his paycheck for $917 or whatever it was, but he didn't pay the guy. So months and months and months and months and months, finally, the guy said, fine, I'll pay you. I owe you $917. And this is like 12 months later. He says, fine, I'll pay you. So the employer is so mad at the guy, at the employee that quit doesn't just cut him a check for $917 and mail it to him. He gives him $917 in pennies and dumps them at the end of his driveway. Oh, <laughs> my And then goodness. he's like, you got paid. And then leaves it. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which, that is crazy. I, 
That is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So this guy's like, I mean, I guess it's $917 in pennies in my driveway. What if it's 916 <laughs> Right. Exactly. You know? Oh. So he has to, like, get his wheelbarrow and shovel these pennies into the wheelbarrow oh. and then clean them so that he can take them to be sorted. Um, oh, my gosh. Like, that it, is that not the most passive-aggressive way to pay Holy your employees. Yeah. It probably oh. cost almost, him a lot more. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Because how do you go to the bank and be like, I need $917 in pennies, please? Yeah. <laughs> you know? The, I, mean, I like the response of the girlfriend she, they, as they're going through. And she goes, we're washing. We found, we found one from 1937. So they could end up with a lot more <laughs> than 917. Oh. She's having fun. Yeah. Just think of the misery of that employer Mm -hmm. who waited all those months and plotted and schemed and then went and got the $900 worth of pennies. I mean, what, what a way to spend your year. Right. Yeah. That goes back to that intentionality of like, I, I don't feel like I owe you this, but I guess I do here. You're going to finally have it, but I'm going to make it in the most miserable way possible for you. It's like those guys who are not paying their employees, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, nope, because I might need it. You know, who knows? Maybe the guy felt like he couldn't afford to pay him the $917, but I think it was probably just miserable, rotten spite is what I think it probably was. (laughs) A great story that illustrates that. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Yeah. Yeah. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Mm-hmm. And that's it. The word and whoever loves it. Yeah. Loves it. Loves it. So they, um, with that verse that says, uh, people always say the love of money is the root of evil. But it's better translated, the, um, the love of money is a root of okay. evil. Mm-hmm. It's just one thing. But it's, it's not having it and being open-handed, like Rosemary said. It's having it and hoarding it and keeping it for yourself and um, using it to manipulate people in their lives. Yeah, and you know what's underneath that? Again, I love how we keep going back to the heart. What's at the heart is you don't trust God. When you're doing that, you don't trust that God is good, that he has not just good for you, but best, and that you've got to hold some of this back so that you have control over this. Mm-hmm. That's I think some, in some ways with the whole not enough, um, that sometimes that can become an addiction and a compulsion too. Oh, yeah. You know, and there are things that factor into the ways that we think, you know, the ways that we were brought up, the the attitudes of money when we were, um, you know, little versus how you see it as an adult. There are things that definitely form those opinions, right? And, um, like, I think about my grandparents, and my grandparents, you know, they lived through the Depression and World War II, and um, my grandmother was poor as dirt. Like she and her mother, her father passed away when she was little. She and her mother and her sister lived in the garage of her cousins. 
Like that's where their house was, was in their garage. Um, and my grandparents are not hurting at all financially, right? But my grandmother saved every single thing. Like, oh, honey, you didn't eat those four chips. We'll save those for, you know, lunch tomorrow or whatever. Where it's like, that's, that's just the mentality that she has because that was what she grew up with. It was like those four chips would make a big difference when she was little. Yeah. But now... Grandma, just throw the four chips away or feed them to the squirrels or, you know, whatever. Um, you, you have more than four chips that you can have again tomorrow. So some of those patterns and behaviors um, are formed when we're little and through our experiences. But through our heart with God, he can transform those patterns and, and the way that we think about those things, too, into healthy ways. Mm-hmm. I bet if somebody showed up at your grandmother's door hungry and looking like they needed help, she would be the first person to do that. 100%. So, again, it's a and hard she'd go, thing. oh, honey, I have four chips for you. I have four chips for you. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so while she might, you know, she's trying to be a good steward. I don't see what she, I don't see that attitude as a hoarding attitude. I see that as a let's not waste what we've got here. Um, I'm going to be a good steward and I'm going to save those last four chips because we might need them tomorrow. Um, Right. But I think you're right. It it does matter how you're brought up and the experiences that you've had. Um, And if you take your four chips and you put them on your bologna sandwich, (laughs) oh, oh, good deal. I mean, that changes everything. <laughs> Next oh, yes, it level. does. <laughs> That's kind of like people now that like to have a hamburger with their French fries in the bun and all that uh, stuff, right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is, it just, again, it just goes back to the heart, right? Um, yeah. And it just goes back to what we're going to do with what the Lord has given us. Well, remember what he said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. And if we could keep that in our hearts, that that God has blessed us and he blesses us, not just for our own comfort, right? There's a purpose beyond our comfort. We're comforted in the process, but we're blessed so that we can continue to be a blessing. And I think if if we can keep our heart there, um, I agree. I don't think, you know, God's not saying you can't have anything. Um, it's just the attitude of the heart. When you get something, do you think, oh, this is just for me? Or are you willing to say, well, I got plenty. So, you know, look around and see who else might need something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes a big difference. Yep. Well, does somebody want to close this out today? I will. God, Great. we just... We just praise you, and we just thank you so much for um, the opportunity to be here, to be in your word, Lord, and for the bountiful blessings that you give us all, namely Jesus Christ. Um, Lord, we just ask that we are grateful for what we do have. Lord, we ask that you open our eyes to those around us. We ask that you open our eyes to what we're doing. Is there any way that we're not living open-handedly? Is there any way that... um, we're intentionally hurting someone. Um, God, we just ask that you humble our hearts and that you open our eyes to see what it is that you want us to do, God. Um, 
because we know that you hear these outcries, Lord. We know that it's possible that we don't even realize on Judgment Day that it'll you'll be crying out. We, you have heard those cries that we've done against other people, and um, and that we will be judged by this on Judgment Day. But thankfully, Lord, you've also provided us bountifully with Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ will be there. Um, so we just ask that we walk in your ways, Lord, that we look to you, that we keep our eyes open towards you and towards your people, and that we realize that in your economy, um, everything f- just flows the way it's supposed to. It's not about money. It's about what we do with money. And if we're not trusting you with it, God, if we're not trusting you with any of the wealth that we have in any way, God, we ask that you continue to work in our hearts, Lord, and show us what you want us to do and help us to trust you. We just praise you and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And cut. <laughs> <laughs>